0: Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for Friday, the 25th of August, 2023. We sit here 48 days from the NHL regular season beginning for the Flyers against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And real quick, uh, if you missed it last night, perhaps you were busy on your Thursday night, make sure today or this weekend you catch up on the final episode of Liftoff. You can check it out on the Flyers YouTube channel. It kind of chronicles that post-draft and development camp time. You'll get a good chance to you'll get to meet and kind of see in action Riley Armstrong, the new Flyers head of player development, and uh, him putting the young players through the paces in development camp, which happened back in July. So make sure you check that out. Great behind-the-scenes footage. All those liftoff episodes are available there if you've missed any, and they all came out really good. Really good. S- well-produced content uh, for you to check out. And I know that hockey fans, something I've talked about on the podcast here about how to grow the game of hockey, and a lot of that is that behind-the-scenes stuff. We're all voyeurs when it comes to professional sports. You know, growing up, you always wonder what it's like behind the scenes. We see the players and the games, which, you know, the Flyers play 82 regular season games a year, so three, four games a week games are about 2 hours and 40 minutes but there's a lot of other hours in the day you know the players in the locker room and you know on the traveling on the plane and the hotels and coaches and all that stuff behind the scenes to me is a great way to to grow the game and kind of let people know what really goes on we have our perceptions of what we think goes on whether that's from when we played sports growing up or what we think a professional locker room might be like. Uh, But getting that peek behind the curtain, I think, is very cool. And the Flyers' liftoff series did a real good job of that, as did the standard last year uh, in training camp, with uh, really the star of that was John Tortorella, which we talked about in Wednesday's episode. And in this episode, a couple things to get into. First, we're going to get into some conversation on Austin Matthews and that contract that he signed, making him the highest-paid player in the NHL at 1325 million dollars AAV kind of where that sits not only in the NHL but uh, obviously looking at the four major sports we'll talk about that in just a moment and then also we're going to get into a a subject that that I can't seem to shake and that is this anticipation of a new season and you know what we'll actually start there because I want to talk about the anticipation of this season now for me Growing up, and I know there'll be people listening to this that can certainly identify with this, whether you just grew up from some of your earliest memories being a big hockey fan, whether that's a Flyers fan or just hockey in general or whatever it might be, you know, or you grew up and you played the game. And you love the game for that reason. That's how it originally got its hooks into you. Or you were a fan of the NHL and you said, hey, I want to play this sport. I'm a fan of the Flyers. I want to play for the Little Flyers, the Junior Flyers, or Snyder Hockey, or any number of club teams that are in the area. And to me, because I grew up from probably the time I was four, I had two older brothers that played. And I lived in a big hockey household. There's always been two seasons in the year for me. I know there's four. I know summer. You know, fall, winter, and spring. Everybody knows my favorite is winter. I love the cold because that comes with hockey. But really, for me, from an emotional standpoint, there's two seasons in the year there's hockey season, and then there's the countdown to hockey season. It's the off season and hockey season. And I'm always more comfortable in hockey season because I have the game, whether that's When I was growing up as a player and when I was growing up going to Flyers games with my dad or, you know, when I was in college or got out of college and I got my season tickets or going with friends or just watching the games on TV or going to the bar and watching the game, all of that stuff and all the magical moments that came with it in my now 51 years on this planet. And look, I was alive when the team won the back-to-back Cups, but really my first sports memories come around 1980. So I remember 1980 losing in the cup final to the Islanders. I remember in 85 and 87 to the Edmonton Oilers. And I remember, you know, some of those lean years thereafter. I remember Pelly Lindbergh's death. I remember those years where they didn't make the playoffs. I remember the arbitration. I I was working for a hardscaper when they announced that Eric Lindros would be awarded to the Flyers because of that arbitration, because of the double deal to the New York Rangers. All these different moments. Hockey season I've always felt more comfortable in. Cause the off season I'm always going, I can't wait for the season to start. And as I've gotten older I try not to wish away time. Trying not to. But during an off season, yeah, it's great for a couple of weeks to lose the structure of working in the game and having a little less responsibility. But for me I need the structure in of the game and the schedule and all that in my life. And I just find myself going, when's the season start? When's the season start? And I get the countdown, you know, app on my phone and I plug in the first known dates and I'm there counting down the days every day. So I have those two areas where it's hockey season and it's the off season. And during the off season, I just get this building sense of anticipation to another season because I love the game. I love watching it at all levels, but going into a season and having question marks answered and just, you know, what's the the rhythm of the season going to be like? Is it going to be one of those years where it's miserable and you have the worst injury luck in the world? Is it going to be a team that shocks you out of nowhere? Is it going to be a team that, you know, even though maybe the record's not great, you start to see the... The seeds of germination of of a new era and i think that's where we are that's the anticipation that i have right now that's that okay are we going to see the next steps in the core of a new flyers era that could be very successful i'm not going to say that's going to win a cup or win a championship or any of that stuff those will get answered in due time but you got to put yourself in that mix first. So I find myself in this highly anticipated mode right now. And really, it doesn't matter where the team was the year before. There's always something to anticipate. And this year, I'm looking at several areas. First and foremost, though, I'm wondering what people's level of excitement is heading into this season, Flyer fans. I'm wondering where you are on that scale of 1 to 10 of what you're anticipating for this year what you think's going to develop, how much are you kind of going, okay, I'd really like to get some answers. I'd like to get this thing underway so we can get back into hockey season and flyer season. You know, there's a lot of different things that I want to get answered, and there's only one way to do it, and that's to begin. But one of the biggest things that I'm anticipating, and I'm hoping that midway through this season – towards the end of this season coming up, we come to this real solid realization that the Flyers are on the right path, that they're moving in the right direction. I think that was one of the frustrations of fans over the last couple of years, since specifically since the pandemic hit, and even really since 2013, was, okay, Richards and Carter get traded, you know, was the team in rebuild mode? Was it in win-now mode? Was it some combination thereof which contradicted each other? So that realization that the team is on the right path. Now, big part of that, a big part of that, is something else I'm anticipating, is obviously the, the tandem of Keith Jones as the president of hockey operations and Danny Briere as the GM. Both first time in their position. Keith Jones... Rookie president of hockey operations. Danny Breer, rookie general manager. But that's a big, big element, element of anticipation for me. That, that, I mean, that's probably at the top of the list is th- learning that this season. That this team is on the right path and that Danny Breer and Keith Jones are guiding it to the, the right place. That's the biggest thing for me. That's what I anticipate the most out of this NHL s- season. There, there's elements within that, of course. The continued development of players that could be profoundly important, like Noah Cates, like Owen Tippett, like Morgan Frost, like Cam York. Obviously, you look at a guy like Oliver Bonk, who was drafted 22nd overall this year in, in the first round of the NHL draft. And then obviously Matvej Meechkoff as well who we'll be keeping an eye on from afar as he plays in the KHL and we'll see when he eventually does come over here But that continued development of core pieces and in Meechkoff's case maybe a superstar piece is a big, big element. Then there's one other one that when I think about this season and boy, I would love to get this out of this season is a realization that Sean Couturier still has a lot of good hockey left in him. A lot of people are leaving Sean Couturier on the side of the road, left for dead. And yet, look, I understand why. He hasn't played since December of 2021. And in that year, he only played 29 games. He had 17 points in the 21-22 season, but didn't play a game in 2022. So it's been a long time since we've seen Sean Couturier. But, look, he had the setbacks. He didn't get on the ice all last season. And I would love to have seen him last year. But this is a player that, for the previous four seasons, was a pretty durable and very effective player. So in his last five seasons, so 17-18, Played 82 games, 31 goals, 45 assists, 76 points. In 1819, he played 80 games. He had 33 goals, 43 assists, 76 points. So back to back 76 point seasons. Then in the 1920 season, he played in 69 games. They only played 69 regular season games because of the um, the shortened season with the pandemic. But he had 22 goals, 37 assists, and 59 points in those 69 games. 45 games in the 56 game shortened season. He had 18 goals, 23 assists, and 41 points in those 45 games. And then, as I mentioned in the 21-22 season, where he didn't play beyond the month of December, in 29 games, six goals, 11 assists, 17 points. All said and done, that's 305 games, 110 goals, 159 assists, 259 points. He was a plus 47. He won a Selkie. He's been a Selkie finalist, and he can do, you know, all situations player. Great 5-on-5, 200-foot player, can score, obviously, 31 and 33 goals in two of those years, 22 goals in 69 games another year, and 18 goals in 45 games uh, another season. So he's a player that can put the puck in the net, prevent the puck from being put in your net. He can kill penalties. He's one of the top NHL face-off men in the league for many years, and he also can play power play for you. So if we can get to the realization that Sean Couturier, and obviously we know about his contract, He's got many years left. He's the highest paid player on the team. He's making $7.75 million. And he is of paramount importance moving forward. That realization that Coots has a lot of good hockey still left in him will be something that if we get that out of this season, along with the other things I mentioned, that would be a very successful season. That's what I believe. But here I sit in this mode of hockey offseason counting down the days to the hockey regular season. It's not that far off. Again, only 48 days to the first game. Camp's right around the corner. September is a week from today. We're almost there. All right, let me get into this Austin Matthews thing real quick. He signs that contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I just want to spend a minute on this. He becomes the highest paid player in the NHL. $13.25 million is the AAV. It's a four-year deal for Austin Matthews. It's going to be a total of $53 million. Signs the extension. So it gets him all the way through the 27-28 season. He was drafted in the NHL in 2016. He's got one year left on his uh, current deal. So this deal will kick in coming up next year. His current deal is a five-year, $58.2 million deal uh, that he signed back on February of uh, 2019. Uh, he is a player that uh, won a hard trophy. As the MVP in 21-22, he had a league-best 60 goals that year and also second consecutive uh, Rocket Richard trophy as well. He's only 25 years old. And here are some numbers that I thought were really interesting when it came to this entire thing. So he's going to make $13.25 million. That's more money than the Buffalo Sabres, Tage Thompson, and Rasmus Dahlin combined. It's more money than Matthew Kachuk and Carter Verhage combined. It's more money than Jack Hughes and Tyler Toffoli combined. It's more money than Tim Stutzla and Jacob Chikrin in Ottawa combined. And it's more money than Jason Robertson and Jake Ottinger in Dallas combined. Amazing. But you go, okay, well, a player's worth what he can get. And Austin Matthews had the most five-on-five goals in the last three NHL seasons. He's got 92 five-on-five goals in the last three NHL seasons. The second place guy to that 92 goals is Connor McDavid, 73. So he's got 19 more goals, 5-on-5 over the last three years. Then it's David Pasternak, who had 70, uh, Miko Rantanen at 67, and Kyle Connor of the Winnipeg Jets with 64. 5-on-5, that's a huge, huge element. The goal leaders since Austin Matthews came into the NHL in 16-17. Austin Matthews leads the way. He's got 299 goals since he entered the league. Second on the list, how about the greatest goal scorer of all time, Alex Ovechkin? Number three on the list, 287 goals is Connor McDavid, 285 for Leon Draisaitl. 276 for David Pasternak. Okay, the highest AAVs for this coming season, it is obviously Austin Matthews number one, Nathan McKinnon number two, Connor McDavid number three and Artemi Panarin number four. So he's getting paid and making a lot of money. But here's the interesting part. Even though he's making $13.5 million into you, me, and every other working normal guy, that sounds like a ton of money and you're getting overpaid to play a great game. Here's the deal. That $13.5 million, if Connor McDavid was making that, not Connor McDavid, excuse me, if Austin Matthews was making that in the NBA, he'd be the 113th ranked highest paid player. 113th is the highest paid player in the NHL. 113th It would be in the NBA. Now the NBA, rosters aren't as big, a lot different. TV package, we'll get into league revenue in a second. If he was in the uh, Major League Baseball, he would be the 103rd highest paid player in the league. And if he was in the NFL, he would have the 88th highest paid salary if he was an NFL player now one more element of that you go well it's about league revenue he's getting a piece of the league revenue well not necessarily so you look at what some of these teams or these leagues their overall revenue is for example the NFL is absurd 19 billion dollars in revenue their top salary in their league 52.5 million dollars Major League Baseball, $10.8 billion in revenue. Top salary, AAV, $70 million. Could you imagine making $70 million to play baseball? Um, the NBA, $10.5 billion annual revenue. Highest paid salary, $51.9 million. And then the NHL, $6 billion in annual revenue. Highest paid salary, thirteen point two five. Pretty wild. Interesting stuff. Can you win? When you're playing a, paying a player that percentage of the cap is the question. Is he making too much money that will prohibit his team from winning? I just gave you all the achievements that he has accomplished with all the goals, the five-on-five five goals, blah, 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 blah. Can you win? Can you build a team that can win when you're paying a player that much money? Or, in Toronto's case... Mitch Marner's making a lot of money too. John Tavares is making a lot of money. Can you win when you ha- you're you top-heavy on your salaries? We'll see. We'll see what it does for the Toronto Maple Leafs who have not won a cup since expansion. Last time they won the Stanley Cup, 1967. League expanded the next year. They haven't won since. So they're starving in Toronto as well. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Hope you uh, enjoyed the elements of this. If you want to give me your thoughts on your anticipatory levels of the Flyers and NHL season you can always email me jason.mertitis at gmail.com you can dm me on twitter at Mert j-a-s-o-n-m-y-r-t or just shoot me a tweet and we will talk to you Monday when Bill Meltzer joins for another brand new edition of Flyers Daily have a great weekend